0: turning there, Exodus chapter number 3, and we're going to read a familiar passage, if you will. Just remain seated today. I'm going to read several verses about God's call upon the life of Moses. And oh, how there's so many lessons here for us. Matter of fact, I was looking down this morning at how many times I have written in this passage of Scripture. I have pen and pencil. I even have a hole in this passage of Scripture. I've been in here so many times uh, since I've gotten this Bible to preach out of. But wonderful, wonderful truths here for us today. And I believe if we we'll open our hearts, God will show us exactly what He wants for us. Exodus chapter chapter. chapter number three. Uh, We're going to look it down, if we could, uh, to pick up really in the middle of the story. We know well God's about to call Moses out of the burning bush. And we're going to pick up in verse number four. The Bible says, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry. Aren't you glad, by the way? In times of affliction, we know that our father hears and sees exactly what's going on, particularly in the time we're living in right now. The Bible says, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. What a blessing that is. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land. Pause there just a moment. Isn't that exciting? We have something to look forward to, that not only does God know our afflictions and what we're going through and our sorrows, but he has a plan on coming down to deliver us, I believe, sooner than later. The Bible says to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and into a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Now watch verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Let's stop there and pray. Father, I am thankful this morning, Lord, knowing that you are the same God that heard the afflictions and knew the sorrows of your people, as we read about this morning, and you're the same God who hears our afflictions and you know our sorrows, You know all the things we're going through right now and have gone through, and you know the things we will go through. Father, how much of a reassurance it is today for us to know that you have a plan and that, Lord, one day you're going to come and take us up out of this land into a good land and a better land. But, Father, help us to read and to see in your word this morning, uh, Lord, what we must do and how we must live until you come, Lord, to take us home. And I pray that, Lord, we would continue, Lord, in your will not be idle during this time. And I pray you'd show us how to do just that today in the message. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday was our kickoff to uh, our soccer league we have here at the church And I'm not always able to make it to all of the games we have for our little league or the soccer But I was able to get out yesterday and go and watch our kids And I played soccer a little bit when I was a kid my dad was my coach actually for a little while uh, When we played soccer and I just forgot how painful it was to play soccer And I was watching those kids out there yesterday Especially the the little guys on the uh, the south end there of the field uh, they were were, uh, they were just kicking each other's shins in yesterday. You could just hear the clicking and clacking of all of the the shin guards as they were playing. And I thank the Lord for those shin guards. Amen. I think there probably been a few punches thrown had they not had them on. But it was just beautiful weather outside. I didn't know it was supposed to cool off. If that's what we want to call the weather right now. Uh, until we walked outside, And my wife had a cardigan on, and uh, that's those little you know those little little uh, things you wear on. They're like a little sweater, right? Is that what it is? A cardigan? I got the word right, correct? And uh, she was excited the fact that she got to wear a sleeve Uh, you know around here we don't get summer very often Uh, we don't get uh, spring very often or fall very often it's usually summer most of the time and in winter the rest of the time that's there but this is the time of the year we've all been looking forward to Uh, Kind of get out of that summer season that usually lasts the longest here in the south We've been looking for the weather turning off cooler I talked to some of our men yesterday and they're already getting ready to go deer hunting and this is a season They've been looking forward to Uh, We've been looking forward to getting out of that heat and that humidity of summer and transitioning out of that unfavorable time And isn't that so much true this morning? uh, As this unfavorable season we've been in in our country in the last six or seven months I believe we'd all agree that we've been looking forward to to the change that's coming really in our lives more than the change in our weather. I'm excited about the weather. I look forward to deer hunting when I get a chance. I like it being a little bit cold. As a matter of fact, we even listened to a Christmas song the other day. How many of you have already listened to a Christmas song? None of you? All right, I have enough for both of us, to be honest with you. It kind of helps lift your spirits a little bit. Miley said the other day on the way to school, she says, Dad, can we listen to a Christmas song? I said, absolutely. And so we listened to one on the way to church uh, or on the way to school the other day, but we're going into a season we've been looking forward to. We've been looking forward to getting out of the summer season, out of the summer heat, and going into this fall season, just as we are, also have been looking forward to getting out of this season of the stress that we've been in, and we've been looking forward to the change uh, to get back to normal, if that's possible. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I don't know if we're going to have to get too used to a new normal. Uh, as we see, every day brings about something different. Uh, this past week, with the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think that the tension is only going to get ratcheted up just a little bit more as we approach this election season But we're all looking forward to that change We want to get out of that unfavorable season and get into the time to where things get back to some semblance of normal But as often is the question whether it be in our lifestyle in our country in our marriages even in our children Oftentimes we have a problem figuring out how we bring about that change I'll be honest with you, there have been many times I've said in this office and other offices where I've pastored and people have come in and asked questions of me that I did not have the answer for. Uh, I thought pastors were supposed to have all of the answers. I really did. There's not supposed to be any curveball questions. And as soon as somebody asked me a question about what they needed to do or a decision in their life, that automatically the Holy Spirit was just going to give me the most silver-tongued answer that you could ever give. I found out it doesn't always work that way. I found that sometimes we're going to have to get into the Word of God to figure out the answers we need to bring about the changes that we desire in our life. And this morning, we're going to look at that subject if we could. How often do we desire change in an area of our life, but we are unsure at how to go about bringing that change? And oftentimes, we find ourselves sitting idle, waiting on change coming to us. I know people this morning who are dealing with strife in their personal life, in their marriages, in their children, maybe in their jobs, and they're dealing with strife, and it's an unfavorable season of their life, and they're desiring change to come, but they're waiting on the change to come. I think it would surprise us all this morning to realize that oftentimes we're waiting on change to come when truthfully that change is waiting on us. Oftentimes, the change that we need in our lives and we desire in our lives is waiting on us to make the decisions that are going to bring about the change that we desire to have. I think about Second Chronicles 7.14. We know the verse well. We quote the verse all the time. It's on our bumper stickers. We post it on our social media pages. And we see the change at the end of that verse. The change is what we desire is that God would heal our land, and we're waiting on God to heal our land. But if we look at the verse the verse, in its entirety, when we go up, we see all of the changes of the decisions we've got to make in order to have the change that God can make. And so this morning, I believe if we're going to have the change we desire, there's some choices and decisions we're going to have to make that are going to lead to that. And so this morning, we're going to look at Moses. We're going to see a change in the life of Moses, a massive change in the life of Moses. But we're going to see that in order for his life to change and for him to go and change the lives of others that were in captivity, he was going to have to make some choices to bring about that change. So let's look this morning at this subject, if we could, for the next few minutes, the choices that bring about change, the choices that bring about change. You know, inevitably, all of us are going to get tired of the status quo. Uh, we're human. We're human. Uh, most of us like a little bit of change in our life from time to time It may be in a car uh, You know, you may have driven a good car It's been a fateful car for 250, 300,000 miles But after a while you want a new car, don't you? You want a change in the status quo And so you go out and you make the choice to buy a new car So the change that comes is a reflection of the choice that you make uh, This past week I did something I've never done before I went to a gym I really did Uh, I'm getting frustrated uh, with my pants not holding up like they used to hold up, and I figured the only way that I'm going to fix the problem uh, is to burn off some of that weight. And so I finally took Brother AJ up on his offer to go to the YMCA, and buddy, can I tell you, he worked me over. You know, I told you the other day I'm not what I thought I was. And he says, "Look, do you think you can keep up what I usually do?" I said, "Well, absolutely. We're the same age, about the same size. I surely I can keep up with you." I found out real quickly I couldn't keep up with him. Uh, I woke up. I think it was on Tuesday morning in the fetal position, all curled up, feeling muscles that I had forgotten that I had had. But you know, I made the choice to go to the gym. Do you know why I made the choice to go to the gym? Because I want to change. I want things to be different. And I can't desire that things be different and my desire alone be enough to get it done. I have to make some choices that are going to bring about the change. I mean, some of the folks, listen, you get tired of being broke. Uh, I know a lot of people, they're tired of being broke. And after a while, you know, their desire for that change to come in their life, it just motivates them to get up off the couch and go get a job. You know, if you get tired of being broke and not having money, the best thing you can do is choose to go to work. And the choices that you make are going to bring about the change that you desire. Now, folks, God desires to change us. God has the ability to change us. God has the resources to change us. Matter of fact, look, I'm glad to know this morning God has the resources and the ability to change what's going on in our country. But the change that we desire to have is going to be the result of the choices that we make. And this morning, let's look at Moses. I'm going to look at three choices that Moses made that's going to bring about great change in his life. Now, look down, if you will, to verse number three. The Bible says, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why? The bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not not, nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet from the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Now, watch verse 6. It's very important. Moreover, he says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, what we're going to see here is before God gives Moses his command, it's important to notice that God is giving him his credentials, all right? It's important to realize that God's going to command us to do many things, to bring about many changes in our life. And oftentimes we're hesitant to make the changes our Father is leading us to do. And can I tell you oftentimes why we're hesitant? We were hesitant in following the commands because we were not reflecting upon God's credentials. His credentials are in verse number 4. I'm sorry, verse number 6. He says, I am the God. I am the God. Now, here's what's important for us to see this morning. God's establishing one of the most foundational principles in our relationship with him. If we desire God to work in us and God to work through us to bring about the change that we desire and that he desires, we must understand something very important, and that's the fact that he is God. Now listen, your relationship with God is never going to be what it could be if you do not acknowledge who he is. And as God prepares to change the life of Moses, he gives him the credentials by which he's going to make those changes. And that's the simple fact that he is God. Can I tell you this morning that recognizing he is God is different than acknowledging that he is God? So a lot of people that recognize there is a God in heaven, but those same people do not necessarily acknowledge the, the, the lordship over him in their life. It's the difference between his existence and his authority. So notice the first decision this morning. The first choice we must make is we must choose who's in charge. We've got to choose who's in charge. If we desire God to work in us and through us and to change us, we've got to understand first off this morning that he is God. He is the one in charge of making the change. And if we desire God to change us, we must first acknowledge his credentials that he is indeed God. Now, everything we're going to read that God's going to command Moses to do and command Moses to be is a simple fact that he's God. And he has the authority to do that. And, folks, I want you to know something this morning. There's a reason Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to lean not into our own understanding, watch closely, in all our ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. Now notice the direction that we desire. Listen, I think every one of us this morning desire God's direction in our life. How often do we need God to give us clarity and to give us wisdom? But understand, the clarity and the direction only comes after the acknowledging that He is God folks if we don't get to the place in our life to acknowledge not just who God is but what God is in our life he is lord he has the authority and i hate to tell you this you're never going to find and see the change in your life that god desires to bring i want you to think about eve eve had a great relationship with god she walked with him i mean they were in the presence of god in a perfect world but when did things go south when did things go south Things went south when Eve decided that she was going to play God. Think about it. God was the one calling the shots. God was the one giving direction. And things went well as long as Eve was acknowledging God as God. He was the one deciding what went on and what they should and should not do. But things turned south when Eve decided to take matters into her own hands. Isn't that the case for all of us? Why is our country in the shape it's in today? It's because we have decided that we want to play the part of God. Can I tell you, the relationship, when it gets backwards like that, it's only downhill from there. God must be God and remain who He is, the authority in our life. He's the one giving direction. He's the one making decisions. And as long as we acknowledge that, we will find the change that we desire. That's why in 714, God is defining the choices we must make to find the change that we desire. But how often do we wait on it? And truthfully, God is waiting on us. When was David used of God? When did David see God working in his life? It's when God was God. Yet we see David's life begin to go downhill and spiral out of control to where he gave the enemies of God great opportunity to blaspheme. When did that happen? It's when David decided to play God. When David decided what he thought he needed, David saw Bathsheba over on the roof. David says, I want her, I need her, I'm going to have her. Can I tell you, that was not God directing David's path. That was David directing David's path. And you see, when we get things backwards and we start playing God, I hate to tell you, the change that's going to come about in your life is not the change that you're desiring. We see Saul losing his kingdom for the very same thing. Now I want to read you three sets of scriptures right quick, and I want to stitch these together. I've never looked at these in light of each other. Judges chapter 17, verse number 6, listen closely. The Bible says, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right, listen close, in his own eyes. There was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. What does that mean? It means man was giving himself direction. Man was making his own decision. Man was acknowledging man for what he did and who he was. But wait a minute. Proverbs 12, 15, the Bible says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Now, notice that. The Bible says in Judges that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs that only a fool does that which is right in his own eyes. But then what does Psalms tell us in verse chapter 14, verse 1? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, notice the correlation that takes place here. In Judges, it says they did that which was right in their own eyes. The Bible says in Proverbs that a fool is right in his own eyes. And then in Psalms, the Bible says it's the fool that has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, it's a foolish step for us to take when we take the place of God in the decisions and the directions of our life. And I hate to tell you this, we're not going to find the change that we desire. In America today, we see things continuing to spiral out of control, reaching new depths of lowness on each and every passing day. Do you know why? Because we're playing God. We've gotten to the place where we are capable of making our own decisions and going in our own directions and determining what we need and who we should be. The Bible says, you know, that's a foolish move. It's a foolish move. Can I tell you this morning, one of the first things we can do to find the change we're looking for in our, our country is to reaffirm in our own hearts and lives and in this church who's in charge. The Bible says God gave Moses his credentials, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of, A- uh, of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. You know, things turn out the way that we desire, and even better than we desire, if we just let God be God, and let us be man. The other day, my wife, she does this um, online grocery thing called HelloFresh, that's the name of it, correct? And they deliver this food to our house, a very neat little thing. They deliver the grocery bags, and inside the bags are all the food that you need to make this recipe. And they even send you a picture of what it's supposed to look like. I mean, you don't get much better than that. You have all the ingredients, you have the instructions, and you even have a picture. And my wife makes it. It always looks better than the picture. Uh, I mean, it turns out it tastes wonderful. It looks great. I mean, it's fancy-looking stuff, salmon and chicken and pork and even some stuff I can't even pronounce. But it's good food. Well, the other day, she had a busy day here at the the church and at school. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do that for her. I think I can do that. I mean, everything's in the bag. All I have to do is take the ingredients out of the bag and follow the instructions. And it's going to turn out just like the picture that came in the bag. And so I, it was some kind of a pasta, some kind of a ravioli with ham, and it even had kale. I've never cooked kale in my life, but I cooked kale for the first time the other day. I even made my own, own Parmesan sauce. And uh, time I was all said and done, I said, You just go sit in there. I'm going to take care of it, and I'll bring it to you. I'm going to serve you. And uh, I, I finished it up, and I looked at it, and I compared it to the picture. I had to tell you this it didn't look like the picture. Every time she does it, it looks like the picture it tastes better than the picture looks and i did it and i'm sitting here looking at it and my sl- my sauce it wasn't a sauce it was more like a goo I-, I mean it my sauce didn't pour it plopped i went to pour it out of the the, the pan and it all came out at one time just poof, And so I literally had to pull the sauce apart and give Miley some sauce, give Leslie some sauce, and give me some sauce. And I finally just kind of had to spread it out. I literally had to smear it all over the top of the pasta. It just didn't turn out right. Do you know why? I'm not the cook of the house, my wife is the cook of the house. And when she does it, it always turns out right. It looks good. It tastes good. It doesn't plop out. It's just beautifully presented. Why? Because she's the one who does the cooking around our house. And even though I thought I could do it just as good, I found out that I couldn't. And how often is that the case with our God? God gives us a picture of the way things are supposed to look like. And God says, if you'll just follow the instructions, things will turn out the way that that I planned it to be and things that you'll find favorable. But you know what I did? I looked on the counter after it was all said and done. And I found seasoning packets that I didn't even put in there. I found a little packet of flour that evidently was necessary in that order. I mean, they even measure it out for you. I mean, you've got to be a dummy to get it wrong. I mean, really, you do. I'm being honest with you. The flour's measured out. The garlic powder was measured out. The chili flakes were all measured out. And all I had to do was follow the instructions. But I left out some ingredients. And when you leave out ingredients, it doesn't turn out the way that you're desiring that it turns out. You eat that food that just plops out on the plate. And how many of us this morning are looking at a life or a home or a family or a country and even churches this morning and it doesn't look like the picture? Do you know why? It's because we messed with it. All right? We've got to let God do the cooking. God knows what he's doing. God's given us the instruction. And folks, if we'll just follow God's instructions, things will turn out exactly the way that God intended they turn out. But here's the problem. We start messing with things. We decide we want to tweak the recipe just a little bit. You know what? I think a little bit of a dash of Tony's. I mean, Tony's makes everything better, right? Maybe a little shot of Tabasco over in there. That's going to make it taste good. And A little bit more salt is going to make it taste good. And after a while, it tastes horrible. And it looks horrible. I mean, you're not supposed to have to chew gravy, you know? I honestly think you could have chewed the gravy and blew a bubble with it. That's how elasticy it was. What happened? I messed with it. I started, you know what? There was somebody who wrote that recipe. Somebody who knew that it would work. And if we just followed the recipe, it would work. But I decided, you know what? I know more than the guy who wrote the recipe. I you know how I messed it up. And can I tell you, look, God's written us a recipe for the life I promise you that you desire to have. He's written your recipe for peace and joy and contentment and the family and the home and the church and the nation that we desire. But here's the problem. We've started playing God. We've decided to redefine the terms of the home and redefine the terms of the church and redefine the terms of the country. And we're messing with God's recipe and we're not getting the outcome that we desire. This morning, if we want to have what God desires we have, we're going to have to choose who's in charge, and that's got to be God. God was about to change Moses' life drastically, but it began with an acknowledgment that he was God. One of the things that I have mentioned often, my favorite times of the week is Sunday night. I enjoy going home on Sunday night, usually a long day, especially after two services on Sunday morning. It's an even longer day now, and uh, I usually joke, I go home and I have a Superman t-shirt. That's my alter ego, okay? I know I'm not, but my wife and daughter think I am, and so we're not going to tell them any different, are we? They've got me Superman cufflinks. I wore them this morning and a Superman tie clip. I wear that. I go home on Sunday nights, and I put on my Superman T-shirt, and I put on some sweatpants, and I just nestle down on the couch and fall asleep and go to Never Never Land. Just one of my favorite times of the day. Well, I mentioned that in a service somewhere a while back, and a gentleman comes up to me, and he says, Hey, I've got the same shirt you do. He says it's one of my favorite shirts. I says, "Well, you need to get rid of it." He says, "Why?" I said, "There can only be one of us." I said, "I got mine and you can't be Superman too cuz my daughter might get confused and I look more like him than that guy did." I said, "So you got to get rid of your shirt because there can only be one of us." And folks, that's the way it is with God. There can only be one God. There can only be one Lord. There can only be one who is sovereignly in charge of your life. And things will turn out the way God desires it and the way that we'll find favorable if we, his people, just let him be God. As he seeks to change Moses' life, he says, I want you to know my credentials first. Before I give you commands, I'm going to give you my credentials and I am God. He said, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. The Bible says Moses hit his face. Why? Because he was God. And Moses is acknowledging him for that. We read in Joshua, as Joshua prepares to leave the scene, he challenges the children of Israel with this. He says, I want you to choose. I want you to choose. And Joshua shows them the outcome is going to be a direct reflection of their choice. Can I tell you, our country today, as much as we don't like it, the country that we're living in today is a reflection of our choices. It's a reflection of the fact that we have not chosen God to be God. We've chosen to be our own. So we desire change in our life. Understand there's choices that bring about change. And the first choice is choosing who's in charge. God says, Moses, I want you to know who I am. But watch what happens because of that. Back up in verse 5, he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Now, when we read verse 5, it makes more sense after we've already read verse number 6. You see, now God's telling Moses what he needs to do. Now, God told Moses, I want you to take your shoes off. I don't want you to draw nigh. Why? Because verse 6, I am God. And can I tell you this morning, if God's truly God, then the next choice you're going to make is you're going to choose to be changed. Let me Let me explain. You're going to choose to be changed. Now, here's God. He's established himself as God. He says, Moses, listen, because I'm God, because of who he is, I want you to take your shoes off. He says, draw not nigh. He says, I don't want you to come any closer. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Can I tell you this morning, the greatest evidence of God's sovereignty is our surrender. The greatest evidence of God's sovereignty in our life, that God is who he says he is and we acknowledge who he says he is, is we are willing to surrender and be obedient to what thus saith the Lord. The Bible says he told Moses, I want you to take your shoes off. I don't want you to come any closer for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. I'll tell you this morning, God is the one who decides what stays and what goes in our life. If God is God... He's the one who decides what we get to keep on, and what we get to put off, and whether or not we draw nigh, or whether or not we don't. Folks, a lot of us miss that. We lay claim that God is God, and that He is Lord, and He is sovereign, but the sad thing is, it's never reflected in the surrender of our lives. If God is truly sovereign in our life, then God has the say-so to tell us what and when and where to go. But sadly, oftentimes, we profess him with our lips, but our life reflects that actually we're the one that's truly in charge. If we desire this morning to see the change that God can bring, we must first choose who's in charge, but then choose to allow God to change us. I've mentioned to you many times something I heard a preacher years ago, a preacher from uh, Iowa. He said, God's not going to invade your will. God's never going to invade your will. God's not going to make you get saved. God's not going to make you surrender. God's going to do his best to steer you in the direction where you would desire to make the choices. They're going to bring about the change. But ultimately, you have to choose to be changed. That means to allow God to tell you what to keep on and what to put off in our life. And folks, there's times that God comes to me and tells me there's some things I need to put off. And i think about but God, I'm kind of attached to those shoes. No, I'm not my wife. She has a lot of pairs of shoes. I fact, we opened the mailbox yesterday. Who ever would have thought you could fit a box of shoes in the mailbox? But man, our mail carrier did just that. You got to get them out with a crowbar, but we got them out yesterday. But I have certain pairs of shoes that I like and certain pairs of shoes that I don't necessarily like. I have some backup shoes. It always pays to have some backup shoes. You never know when you're going to need them. But I have some shoes that I'm kind of attached to. And you ask me, could I have a pair of shoes? I'm not going to give you my favorite shoes. I'm going to give you... Some of my backup shoes. Why? Because I like them. Sometimes it's hard letting go of the things we like. But you know, sometimes God comes to us and God desires to change us. But in order to change us, we've got to surrender what God says put off. And sometimes we're attached to what God says put off, aren't we? There's been times this week. I'll give you a prime example. There's been a time this week I have really been attached to my pride. Pride is something I get very attached to. There have been times this week where in order to do the will of God, I had to, I told somebody the other day, take my pride and put it in the bottom drawer of my desk. Being humble is not fun. There are times this week in order to be obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, I had to let him change me. And he says, listen, Jeremiah, before I I bring you in this direction, you're going to have to put off something and you're going to have to put off that pride. You know how I didn't want to put off my pride. But if I desire to be changed, I must make the choice to be changed and allow God to do what he wants to do. Remember in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18. I'm going to read three verses out of Jeremiah 18 for you. And let me, let me stitch this together. The Bible says in the vessel that he made of clay, we're speaking of God leading him to the potter's house. The Bible says that vessel that was made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. All right? There was something wrong. Evidently, there was something that needed to be changed. The Bible says, so he made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. Aren't you glad when things are not what they need to be in our life that our God can change them? Aren't you glad that things are not so bad in America that if God so desired within his will, God could change these things? I'm glad. Oh, listen, America's vessel very marred this morning. But I'm thankful the Bible says that God can change it and make it anew into a new vessel. The Bible says it seems good to the potter. But then he says this in verse number 6. He brings the analogy around and says, cannot I do for you? Cannot I do for you? He says, you see the vessel that was marred? And you see the vessel that was broken? And you see the vessel in need of change? He says, I can do that for you. I don't know about you, that excites me. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm not excited about what I see. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. There are times I get up in the morning and don't feel as spiritual as I should be. I think the devil attacks me in my sleep sometimes. There are times I don't feel like reading my Bible. There are times I realize I am a marred vessel in need of change. And I'm glad that I have a father that says, cannot I do with you? I can change you just like I changed this vessel. But listen to verse number 12. Listen to what Israel said to God's desire to change them. And they said, there is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices. And we will every one do the imagination of his evil heart. What did they say? God said, I can change you just like I changed that vessel. God says, I can bring about something good in your life, but you've got to let me change you. You've got to choose to allow the potter to do the work that only the potter can do. But what did they say? They said, there's no hope. We will walk after our own devices. You know what they're saying? We will be God. We will be God. We're not going to let you change us. Can I ask you something this morning? Do you have anything in your life that's off limits to God? Do you have any shoes in your life that God says, listen, in order for you to come to the place that I desire you to be, there's some things you're going to have to put off? Do we have shoes this morning that we're holding on to that God says put off in order for us to see the change in our life that God desires to bring about? I was reading the hymn this morning. I love this hymn, Is Your All on the Altar? Think about this hymn this morning. Here's the first verse, Is Your All on the Altar? You have longed for sweet peace and for favor to increase. You know what that is? Change. You're looking for change. You have earnestly, so fervently, oh, you've really prayed. Oh, yes, you can have, but you cannot find rest nor be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. I was thinking this morning, how often? Do I beg God for change? God, change my life. God, make me anew. Make me something good that's pleasing to you. And God says, put off your shoes. God says, put this on the altar. But you're like, God, no, I don't want to put that on the altar. God, I I want you to work in my life, and I want you to use me. But God, I want you to use me the way that I want to be used. You see, now we're playing God again. If God's going to use us and change us and to make us into something good and pleasing to his sight, all's got to be on the altar. We can't hold back our shoes. We've got to choose to allow God to change us and, oh, how God could change us. If we allowed him to change us this morning, it's like a building permit. We've got to give God. We've got to give God the rights. We've got to give God the opportunity. The other day, we had our, our piano at our house tuned. And it was getting kind of out of tune. You know, when they get out of tune, they sound like those pianos on the old westerns. Those honky-tonk pianos, you know, just horrible, just horrible. It doesn't sound like a piano, ought to sound. And uh, matter of fact, the piano guy called and he says, hey, it's time to tune your piano. I'm like, yes, it is. My daughter's getting like Brother Bo. I mean, she's starting to tear that thing up. And he gets out of tune quicker now. He says, uh, I'm going to be there on Friday around 1030. I says, all right, look, I'm looking forward to you getting that thing fixed. He called me, I guess he was a little bit late, around 11, 11.30, and he says, hey, I'm at your house. He says, I'm ready to fix the piano, get it tuned up, I'll take care of it, but I need you to do something for me. I'm thinking, buddy, I don't know anything about tuning pianos. I can't help you with that. He says, I I don't need that. He says, I need you to let me in the house. He says, your house is locked, and we have an alarm on the house. And he says, I want to come in, and I want to do the work, and I want to get it tuned up again, but you're going to have to unlock the house and let me in. And how our God is the very same way. We get out of tune. We get marred. Things are not the way they ought to be. And God desires to make the vessel anew. God desires to bring about the change. But in order for him to bring about the change, we've got to let him change us. We've got to open the door to allow him to come in. We've got to be willing to do what God tells us to do in order to have the change that we desire. And he tells Moses, Moses, I want to use you. Is I want you to know, first of all, I'm God. You choose who's in charge, and I'm God. But there's some things I want you to do. I want you to draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. There's some things I want you to let go of in order for you to find the change that I'm about to bring about in your life. But then notice the last thing before we close today. If you look all the way down, God continues to make his case case. And we look down to verse number ten. God says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with thee. I find it interesting. God is trying to take Moses, who's been wandering around with sheep on the backside of the desert, and make him the great deliverer of all of Egypt. What a change is about to bring in his life. The first thing he had to realize was that God was going to be God. God had to be God in order for him to become who he was desi- God desired that he be. And then he was going to have to choose to be changed. God was going to have to be the one calling the shots and making the changes in his life. But now finally, God says, I want you to go. I want you to go. The third thing this morning, if we desire to have the change in our life that God desires bring in our life, we've got to choose to be chosen. We've got to choose to be chosen. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, watch closely. I'm going to show you how this all works together. We start off with the sovereignty of God. You're never going to move very far if God is not God. So we start off with sovereignty. And the result of God's sovereignty, we see, surrender. Moses giving up what God tells him he needs to give up. And then now, finally, Moses is ready for service. You see? Sovereignty, surrender, service. If we desire to be changed, to be used of God in his service, it begins with sovereignty. But then there's followed by that surrender. But then we must choose to be chosen. What does that mean? Well, as God's plan continues to take shape in the life of Moses, Moses has to be available. Moses has to be available. We've said it many times before, and it was said long before I was ever born, that God doesn't look for ability, he looks for availability. And sadly, often, that's the thing he can't find. It's availability. My daughter loves playing those little crane games, you know. I guess probably I like playing them too uh, with her. But you, when you have your daughter there, you can usually blame it on her, you know. I'm doing this for her. And you, know, you have that crane game, uh, and you reach down, you try to grab it. The, they're rigged most of the time. You know, try to get the stuffed animal, or sometimes they'll put a dollar over in there, and you'll spend $5 to get the $1. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've done that before. Uh, and you get that thing, and you have trouble grabbing it. You have trouble grabbing the ball or grabbing the rabbit or whatever you're trying to grab. It's just tough to get a hold of it. And I was thinking this morning, oftentimes we're like that with God. God's trying to grab us, but sometimes we're just tough to get a hold of. He's telling Moses, Moses, I'm trying to get you because I want to use you. And Moses keeps telling God, he says, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? Moses is not quite crazy about being chosen. He's not quite excited about the thought just yet of going unto Pharaoh. We know why. We know the history that is there. But God was trying to use him. But Moses had to decide that he was going to be chosen of God. How often does God want to use us for something? But listen, God's will is not going to wait on you forever. God will try and God will try and God will knock and God will knock. Trying to bring about the change in our life. But the sad thing is we will not let God bring that change. We won't allow ourselves to be chosen I think about Isaiah this morning When Isaiah said here am I Send me you know what he was doing He was putting himself on the market He was saying here am I God if you're looking for somebody And you need someone here am I You see he was choosing to be chosen He was volunteering himself to be used of God in his service. Now, folks, listen. A lot of us this morning have grown stagnant in our walk with God, and we're waiting on God to use us, but the sad thing is we'll not surrender ourselves to be used. There's got to be a surrender somewhere in here where we choose to allow God to make us what he desires to make us. I'm thankful for God's mercy and grace this morning. I'm thankful that God will chase us sometimes. I'm thankful God doesn't give up on us. But sooner or later, I'll tell you this, your days of grace will be gone. The opportunity and the door will be closed. Old Jonah. Jonah was one of those that was in that claw game, wasn't he? God just kept trying to catch him. and God just kept trying to catch him. And old Jonah just kept running. And old Jonah kept running. Finally, God caught him for Jonah's good. You know, it's for our own good that we let God catch us. It's for our own good that we make the choice that, God, I don't know what the future holds or what you're desiring to do. There's no way Moses could have known all that God was going to do through his life. But Moses made the choice, all right, God, if you want me, I'll let you have me, even though I'm not sure about all of this. Folks, I believe this morning God could bring about change in our homes, and our lives, and our families, and even in our country, if we just allowed God to have us. Just allow God to catch us, and just decided, you know what? I'm going to choose to be chosen. If God wants me, I'm going to say, "Here am I." You say, "Well, how do we get to that place?" We'll go back to the beginning. It starts with the sovereignty of God. God's got to be sovereign. I remember, and I've told you this many times, the boy was a big event in my life. When we left here after, I think it was missions conference, and Brother Brent said, "Would you, uh, would you pray about uh, pray about coming in view of a call?" And I said, sure, Brother Brent, I'll pray about coming in view of a call. But I'll be honest with you, I was praying just because I told him I'd pray. And I've told you this many times, but oh, my soul, how the Holy Spirit taught me a very valuable lesson. That we can pray with our lips, but realistically in our hearts, we're holding back. Nothing's going to change as long as we're holding back and two weeks after that time I was sitting in my wife's office there in Monroe And uh, we were talking about whether or not what we thought God wanted us to do And I'm trying to convince her of what I know God is already leading us to do And I was hoping she would agree with me, but she had too much God in her to agree with me And uh, she said have you been praying? I said yeah, I've been praying She said have you got an answer? I said right now I don't and God says of course you don't Because you're not being honest God says, I, I'm trying to lead you to do something, but you're not making yourself available. I say, God, just let me know, but I'm not available if you do let me know. Isn't that the case we do with God? God, I'll do whatever you want me to, but just don't ask me to do anything. Folks, can I tell you, God works through people. He works through people who are willing to be sent. That means we're choosing to be chosen. And I believe this morning there's great change God could bring, not just in our church, but God could bring about in our country. But God's people are going to have to make some choices that lead to that change. And the choices are simply this. Number one, choose who's in charge. Who's in charge? Who's in charge of your home? Who's in charge of your family? Who's in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your heart? You can find God was in charge of Moses because he gave him direction and God made the decisions. Who's giving direction? Who's making the decisions? And then number two, you've got to choose to be changed. Let God tell you what you put off and what you put on. Let God decide what things need to go in your life and what things you need to pick up in your life. If he's truly God, then we're going to surrender our will over to his. And then finally, choose to be chosen. If God wanted to use you today, are you on the market? Could you say, here am I? Or are you sitting off in the corner praying that God would send someone else? Folks, I don't believe this morning we can pray for change without making the choices that are going to lead to that change. And I pray we'll do that here this morning. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed.